And I had this experience with the wilderness that I had never had before. It was powerful and very moving. I knew that the idea that I had had about starting a program for veterans and trying to connect them to the wilderness had to stop being an idea and I had to step forward and I had to make it happen. This is the Adventure Sports Podcast, where we talk to athletes, adventurers, and business owners from around the world of adventure sports. Whether you're climbing Mount Everest, starting a bike shop, or getting up off your couch to take your kids hiking for the first time, we want you to have the motivation and inspiration you need to chase that next adventure. The Adventure Sports Podcast is brought to you by Camp Crate, the leaders in fully planned self-guided backpacking adventures, as well as backpacking gear rental. You can check them out at campcrate.net. Before I knew better, I used to carry cans of food into the backcountry um, like a doofus. Uh, obviously, I don't do that anymore. I use freeze-dried food, and I really only use Peak Refuel, uh, the best backpacking food, the best freeze-dried food in the world. And if you keep listening to the episode, I can show you how to save 20% off an order if you want some. Powder 7's team of ski experts makes buying skis pretty easy. They're actually known for helping customers find the right gear specifically for them. They even sell used skis, which is pretty cool. Plus, Powder 7 ships to just about anywhere in the world, and they have incredibly fast shipping in the U.S. Visit them online at powder7.com, or you can stop by their store in Golden, Colorado. If you're like me, you have some pain and inflammation from your adventure sport. Sometimes you don't sleep well, and you can even deal with stress and anxiety. Uh, we have a possible solution for you later on in the show. So keep listening if you deal with any of those issues. So today's guest is Todd Crevier, and he is a veteran, um, spent many years in the military, has some issues that arose from it, addiction to pain meds, some trauma he was dealing with, um, pain, chronic pain. And when he got back home, he realized he needed community. That's one of the biggest things I hear from my friends that are vets and from vets I know is finding people in your normal everyday life that can understand what you went through. And Todd decided to do something about it. He took a trip to Yellowstone that absolutely changed his life. And he, he's just going to, I'm going to ask him a question up front and he's just going to tell the story. And that's going to be a lot of the episode is just him telling his story of how uh, the idea for for his new organization came about, New England Adventures, as well as the goal behind it. Just his story. It's amazing. You know, something we hear a lot is people who have an experience in the outdoors and it changes something about them. I know for me, everything I'm doing, everything I want out of life has come from sitting on a rock, looking at a tree, you know, watching animals do their thing, looking at a mountain as the sun went down. Like it's stuff that's that simple. That's life-changing. That's why we listen to this podcast. We are all connected by that mutual love for adventure, but not just adventure, adventure in the outdoors, doing amazing things outside. If you haven't had an experience like that, I want you to do something about it. I want you to take that trip. I want you to take time off work. Take your family, figure it out, save your pennies, sell some crap, whatever you got to do, get out there, go do something close by your house, far away, whatever. Go to a national park, go to a place that's wild, go to the woods in your backyard and just sit, experience it. Get away from every your desk, get away from it. Get away from your car, get away from your phone, throw that thing in a lake if you have to. And go sit. I don't care if you live in New York City. We just had a guest on from New York City that gets out more than half of us do. Probably more than I do. Get out there for five minutes, ten minutes, sometime soon. Just experience experience the world, the world that is not rearranged by human hands, the natural world, the world that doesn't need you to exist. It's powerful, man. It's life-changing. We've heard it so many times on this show before. Getting out there changes your life. And everyone's story that you've heard and you're like, no, I could never do something like that. Well, guess what? You know what it started it for them? Something small. You know what it started it for me? Something small. An oak tree in my backyard that I used to go and climb around on and look at and wonder how the heck did it grow from this little acorn? That's what started it. Doesn't have to be much. 
It just has to be wild. Anyway, rant over. Enjoy the show. Um, you can always support us through patreon.com. Man, we've had some we've had a lot of new patrons this week. We've had three new patrons just this week. So thank you guys. I don't know when the last time I announced names were, but here, let me read them off real quick. So we got Caleb, Randall, Derek, Jessica, D, Kevin, George, Helena. I don't know if I said one or two of those names before in the past because this was from the last few weeks, but thank y'all so much for supporting the show. This really, really means a lot to us. And, you know, if, if you'd like to support the show, if this show means something to you, patreon.com slash adventure sports podcast. Five bucks a month, as little as a dollar a month, but it's up to you. You don't have to afford anything. This show is free to you because we want you to be inspired to go outside and to experience this world. It is beautiful. It is awesome. It's life-changing, and it can be your refuge. It can be your therapy to get out there and bike or paddleboard or, or, or just walk around, whatever it is, bird watch. I don't care. Get out there and take somebody with you every once in a while at least. All right, I'm done. Okay, enjoy the episode. Todd is amazing. I love what he's doing. And if you know somebody that needs his services, need what needs his organization, you know a vet that's in need, reach out to him because it is incredibly important that we all have a community and a place that we can connect with people that we understand and who understand us. All right, here's the episode. And so you you retired from the army, and yep. basically have a passion for the outdoors and wanted to start something that helps veterans connect with the outdoors. Uh, yeah. Well, why don't you tell us what, what what was the story behind New England Adventures? What led you to this, and and what was your experience in the army like? Sure. So, um, just just as a as a brief military background, um, September 11th was a. a pretty important day in my life. Um, like it was for a lot of people who end up joining the service, um, after the events of September 11th, I was kind of in a bad spot in life, uh, in, in a bad marriage, uh, in a, in a bit of a failed career attempt, you know, September 11th happened. It, it really changed the the course and trajectory of my life in a, in a pretty massive way. Um, I was 25 at the time and, um, about um, about a month after September 11th happened, um, I went down to the local recruiting station. Um, I was living down in Maryland at the time. You know, I felt it was my my duty as an American to to join and to serve. I thought about joining the service after getting out of college, and just wasn't the right time. And about a month after signing up, uh, I found myself on an airplane headed down to Fort Jackson, South Carolina, going through basic training and and. All of that, as uh, as the oldest guy in the platoon, I was 25, and I was there with a bunch of 17-year-olds and 18-year-olds, and um, so I was the old guy there. Interesting, because most of them had signed up um, prior to September 11th happening, and um, they were all a, a bit petrified, a bit scared at the idea that September 11th had happened, and now uh, the prospect of going overseas and, and fighting um, was a, a, a very present reality. And, uh, you know, I was one of the few that had signed up after September 11th, knowing um, that that would end, end up leading me to, to go overseas and fight for my country. So went through basic training and in, in my, my AIT and went back home and got back to normal life. And then um, in the evening, uh, after I got home from work one night uh, in, I believe it was very early December of um, 2003, got a phone call from a buddy of mine in my unit. And uh, he told me, you know, I needed to pack my bags. We just got a notification that we were going to be getting transferred to uh, a unit in Connecticut that was getting ready to go to Iraq. Uh, a bit uh, petrifying, uh, but exciting as well. You know, as a soldier, you want to be tested. Uh, you want to see that your training, your skills that you learned to do your job in the service um, are going to stand up, you know, when, when the bullets start flying and and people's lives are on the line, you want to know that you're going to be able to do your job and do it well. And um, the thing that I was scared about was uh, my my wife, um, who is now my ex-wife, but my wife at the time, and I had found out that about two weeks earlier that she was pregnant with our second son. And so the prospect of uh, going overseas and leaving her home with um, uh, a four-year-old and, and her pregnant um, was pretty scary. But um, 
went over there, did my job, did it well. I was a, a heavy machine gunner. I was a operator of 50 cal machine gun doing convoy security uh, all up and down some of the worst roads on the planet. Uh, was there for about nine months. In those nine months, we did about 30,000 miles over the road. Ended up injuring my back and uh, came home after nine months, got out of the Army, then uh, watched my, my life go into a pretty tight downward spiral, now suffering from PTSD, really a, a bit unaware of what was going on with me, but I knew something was very different when I returned home. Uh, I was very angry. I was drinking a lot. Uh, I started abusing prescription drugs when I could get my hands on them. Fast forward three years and, and one child later. So now my first wife and I, we had three kids. And uh, after three years uh, of being home and, and just really being a mess, um, her and I split. In my my limited wisdom at the time, I said I needed a, some kind of stabilizing factor in my life. So I went back into the Army, went back in in 2007, continued to serve. I really loved it, really enjoyed the opportunity to serve my country and to lead soldiers and to do my part and enjoyed uh, the community that it offered to me and, and, and just the chance to, to do my part, serve my country. And um, from 2007 till 2014, 2009, remarried second time. By 2010, um, started dealing with uh, the VA, had started, um, finally accepted um, the responsibility for the back injury that I suffered in Iraq and started treating that back problem with a very large bottle of uh, pain meds that they would send me on a monthly basis to address my problem. And as fate would have it, that led pretty quickly to a pretty bad uh, pain med addiction. Um, so the entire, basically the entire rest of my second tour of, of service to my country, uh, I was suffering from a, a pretty bad uh, pain med addiction. So fast forward a little bit, um, 2012, um, was sent overseas on my second deployment to um, Africa, Northeast Africa. And um, on that second deployment, um, with only eight years in service, I'd been selected for promotion to E7, which is a pretty dramatic rise up the ranks. Um, and I was getting ready to put in my paperwork for an indefinite, re uh, an indefinite reenlistment. I was getting ready to go full bore, do a full 20 or 30 year career. And uh, I was getting ready for promotion. On that second deployment, I was under a pretty heavy level of stress in running the, the logistics for the battalion that I worked for, and um, my body started falling apart. The injury that I had had from Iraq was a compressed disc in my back, my lower back. Um, that disc uh, fully herniated on my second deployment. Uh, as a result of some stress-related conditions, I ended up losing the vision of my right eye um, permanently. Um, I was diagnosed with stage 2 hypertension. I was about nine years into my career. Um, the Army said that they were going to process me for medical retirement, which really um, broke my heart. Um, I did not want to leave the Army, did not want to get out, um, but I didn't have a choice. So I spent the last year in basically, you know, building my case to make sure that, you know, all my medical conditions were going to be covered by the Army and the VA. Uh, October 6th of 2014 was my last day in uniform. Was in the process of filling out my paperwork and processing out, and one of the um, steps in that process was I had to sit with a VA rep. So sat down with the VA rep. He asked me what I like to do creationally. Um, I don't know if he was just, you know, trying to have a pleasant conversation with me or if he was, you know, looking for something. But uh, I told him, you know, I grew up in Western Massachusetts, but I'm an outdoor guy. Uh, I love the outdoors, love hiking and camping and hunting and fishing. And, you know, I was really enjoyed those things growing up and would love to, you know, continue to do those things now that I was going to be getting out of the service. And he told me, you know, when you go home, Todd, do some research online. He said, there's a lot of programs out there that, you know, raise money to send vets on hunting programs and fishing programs. And I said, hey, man, that sounds great. So as soon as I got home that day, uh, I started doing some research online. And I found that there are uh, hundreds of those kinds of programs all over the country. Uh, but the problem was they were all either down south or out west. There's nothing in the northeast. The closest program to me was in Ohio. And uh, that was a little discouraging. And so I started doing some research on, like, how many how many vets live in New England, you know, according to the VA. So I started doing some research on their website. And according to the VA, there's about a million veterans that live in the six proper New England states. Those states are, for, for listeners' reference, um, Massachusetts, Connecticut, Rhode Island, uh, New Hampshire, Vermont, and Maine. Um, and so I started looking at that information and found out that there's a million vets that live in New England and, you know, 
even more active duty folks and reserve and National Guard folks that live in the area. And, you know, uh, from my experience in the service, uh, I knew that um, there's a pretty strong percentage of us that like the outdoors. I mean, part of the reason that a lot of people go into the services, you know, they grow up going to Boy Scouts or Girl Scouts or FFA or 4-H. And, and there's this there's this love for the outdoors. There's this love for adventure. Um, there's this love of shooting guns. There's a love of, you know, being out in the woods and camping and, and doing some of those things that you get to do in the military. And, and that that line runs pretty strong in, in the veteran world and in the you get active duty world. And so realizing that, A, that there's probably a lot of people that enjoy those things and B, there's a lot of people in New England that have served their country and could probably benefit from a program like this. The wheels kind of started turning on, you know, what would eventually become New England Adventures. But at that point, it was just me thinking about things and thinking about how it would come to be. And it didn't go much beyond thinking and, you know, jotting down some preliminary ideas about it. But pretty shortly after my separation from from the service, was in the process of watching my second marriage fall apart. It was going pretty, pretty badly. Uh, Again, PTSD issues, alcohol issues, still in, deeply in the throes of, of my pain med addiction. Um, it was it was bad. It was it was um, worse than the first one and, and falling apart pretty rapidly. And uh, on top of that, now I was suffering from the loss of community. When you're in the service, one of the things that um, men and women love about being in the service, and one of the benefits you get from being in the service is the community. You know, you never see single guys going out to do a mission. There's always a team, you know, even down to your smallest group of, of guys, even in a sniper team, there's always a sniper and a spotter. It's never one guy out doing a mission on his own. And um, the the idea behind that is there's, there's strength in those numbers. And uh, when men and women are in the service, you get to depend on that community. And that community becomes, in a lot of ways, lifeblood to you. You know that the guy on your left and the guy on your right is going to do their job pull the trigger when they need to, to make sure that you get home to your family. And so that community is, is a huge part of the lifestyle in the military community. And what a lot of men and women suffer from when they separate from the military is that loss of community. Um, you know, they go home and they go back to their jobs. They go back to changing oil at the local Jiffy Loop or working at Walmart or, or back to the local bank or, you know, back to the, to the local architect shop, you know, and they just go back to normal life and they they try to find meaningful relationships with the civilians that they work with and they, they interact with. But it's challenging. It's challenging to find people that understand your language and understand the struggles you've seen and understand the places that you've been and, and understand the sacrifices that you've made for your country. And so uh, a lot of men and women really struggle in that adjustment phase of just trying to find something meaningful in the civilian world. I found that to be very true for myself. I was really struggling. It, it got pretty bad. So, yeah, like I said at the beginning of the episode, I used to carry cans of food into the backcountry. And uh, I know there's a lot lighter things to do, but uh, there's just a lot of options that aren't good for you or either too heavy. Um, and that's why I really do uh, use Peak Refuel now. Um, uh, they're a new backpacking food company. And I say backpacking food, really, it's just... Uh, freeze-dried food that you can use for anything. I've actually eaten it for dinner before with my family uh, because it's real food. It's not, it does not taste like backpacking food or hunting food or something that you're only going to eat in the backcountry. It's it's delicious, high uh, in protein, uh, nutritious. It is going to refuel you. It is filling huge portions. And I really encourage you all to give it a shot. At least try it out. Uh, and that is peakrefuel.com. And if you want to get 20% off an order, uh, use the code ASP20. And that's capital ASP, and then two zero. Now, back to the episode. So, you know, here I am struggling with, with all these issues going on in my life. And, um, you know, fast forward a little bit. July of 2015, now I've been dealing with this drug addiction for about five years seeing the effects of it on my kids, on my marriage, on my life in general, just the reality of the fact that I never went anywhere without my grocery bag full of meds and I couldn't do anything without being on meds. And, you know, I was constantly looking to get high and, you know, my kids watching 
their father be Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, where, you know, when I'm high, I'm great and I'm easy to get along with. And as soon as that high starts to wear off and I start to come off of it, become mean and angry and just watching my family go through this this constant turmoil with me got to the point where where I started to look at the the idea that I was either going to a be a drug addict for the rest of my life or I was going to have to quit and and walk away from all of it and uh, and so on uh, July of 2015 I made a decision to to quit so I grabbed that grocery bag full of meds and I went in to see my doctor at the VA and uh, at the height of it, I was on about 15 or 16 different medications. I was on, you know, uh, high blood pressure meds. I was on anti-anxiety meds. I was on antidepressants. I was on benzos. I was on three or four different pain meds. I was on sleep meds. I was on wake-up meds. I mean, a huge cocktail of different kind of medications. And I went in and saw her, and I put the grocery bag down in front of her, and I slid it across to her, and I said, hey, doc, I'm all done. And she said, what do you mean you're done? I said, I'm all done. I, I can't do that the meds anymore. And she said, well, it doesn't work like that. And I said, well, doc, this is my body and I'm not putting this stuff in my body anymore. And she said, you, you don't understand. She said, some of those meds you're on take two or three years to wean off of. And I told her, I said, listen, I don't have two or three years. You know, I'm, I can't be an addict. I can't live this life anymore. And I either have to quit, quit it all, quit it all at once, or it's going to kill me. And so I got up and I walked out and, um, the next two weeks of my life were uh, beyond miserable. At a couple points, I felt like I was going to die. Uh, I went through very, very, very bad withdrawals. Uh, didn't sleep at one point for about three days. It, it got pretty dark, but um, I knew I had to go through it to get clean and get off of it. After about two weeks of, of detox, I put my family uh, in the car and we took um, a cross-country trip um, out to Yellowstone National Park. And um, I'd never been that far west before. And um, the opportunity to go out there and um, go through the Rockies. And, you know, we stopped at Mount Rushmore and we went through, you know, a lot of the Plain states. And we went through uh, Wisconsin and, and Minnesota and just had a chance to see some, some beautiful parts of the country that I'd never seen. And, um, you know, we get to Yellowstone. I had at Yellowstone what I would consider now sort of a quasi-spiritual experience. Um, there's a reason that the native people venerated that area of our country. And it's just a very special place. Um, it's hard to describe it until you go and see it and, and you're there. Um, at several points on that vacation while we were in Yellowstone, just the being there, the beauty of what I'm seeing around me literally brought me to tears. And I had this experience with the wilderness that I had never had before. It was powerful and very moving. When I got home from that vacation, I knew that the idea that I had had about starting a program for veterans and trying to connect them to the wilderness had to stop being an idea and I had to step forward and I had to make it happen. I drew a line in the sand for myself and I knew that if I stepped across that line, I'd have to go all in and I would have to create this thing. That was really the, the day that New England Adventures was born. And, um, and so the idea was to, to create this program um, where we would offer opportunities for veterans, current service members, and their families from New England to um, get connected to the outdoors, get connected to the wilderness, have these experiences where they could um, step out of their world and step into these special places and, and have these kinds of experiences. And, um, and beyond that, um, and what's grown out of that, and what we've seen happen with our program is the fact that it's not just uh, a program uh, about, you know, taking veterans and their families and current service members out into the woods to hunt and to fish and to hike and to backpack. But it's really about creating a community. It's really about giving the gift of community um, back to these veterans. Because as I said earlier, one of the things that um, veterans will tell you that they miss the most about being in the service, it's not the crappy food it's not the crappy uniforms. It's not the long deployments. It's not the time away from family. Um, it's not having someone tell you where to go, when to be there, how long to be there, when you can go home. It's the community. It's the brothers and sisters that they stood side by side with to defend their country and to do their job and to do their missions. And so what we've seen develop out of this program is that we have, we've created this community that is an opportunity for people to get connected 
um, to something special that they care about and a community that cares about them. Um, there's a lot of programs out there um, that do these types of programs for veterans. You know, not to be critical of them, they're doing good work, a lot of them. Um, but but some of them are these kind of like they're these one and done kind of things where, you know, they're going to do a big elk hunt out in Colorado for, you know, 10 vets. And that's great. And don't get me wrong, I could go do that in a heartbeat if I could. But if you're flying guys in from all over the country and they spend a week in elk camp out in Colorado and they have a great time and they harvest some elk and they do these great hunts and they build this small community of 10 of them for a week and they get to know each other and, you know, they're exchanging cell phone numbers and they become friends on Facebook and, you know, they, they become friends and enjoy that time in that community together. But when that event's over, everyone gets back on an airplane and flies back home. That create that community will will struggle to exist beyond that event, and so what we're trying to do with our program is, as we've created it locally and regionally, is um, we're trying to build a community. L- literally, there's no part of New England that you can't get to within an eight-hour drive. You know, whether you're talking upstate Maine, um, you can drive from you know you can drive from the farthest part in Connecticut to Maine inside of an eight-hour drive. You know, and, and there's really nowhere inside of the six states of New England that you can't get to within a within that eight-hour drive. And so the idea is that we're trying to create this program where guys are close enough and men and women are close enough to each other so that when an event is over, um, that community doesn't break, that they can go home and say, hey, man, had a great time up here at deer camp. You only live an hour away from me. Um, and we're talking at deer camp how you love bass fishing. You know, there's this, there's this pond that's about halfway between where we live. Let's meet there next week and let's go do some bass fishing together. Or, hey, man, you know, let's get together and, and have dinner sometime. Our, our wives can meet and we can we can have this uh, community that that can be thriving and strong, and 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 those relationships can continue to continue to exist. And it can be be beyond just the veteran connection and then the love of the outdoor connection, but then it can grow into something deeper. For anybody that pays attention to the veteran world and the veteran community, you know, there's a number out there that's talked about pretty often uh, amongst our ranks, and it's the number 22. Um, and what that number 22 represents is, on average, there's 22 veterans a day that are committing suicide. You know, veterans often bear quite heavy burdens that their country asks them to bear. And in some cases, at least 22 cases a day, um, that burden becomes too much to bear. We have a responsibility as the veteran community to police our own and, and to make sure that the the men and women who've been asked to carry these burdens don't carry them alone. And I believe that the more opportunities these veterans have to be connected to a community that they care about and that cares about them, and that when that community can be ongoing and consistent and present in their life, that it's going to be much harder for them to walk walk out the door and go sit in the truck and put the gun to their head and pull the trigger that when they're connected to a community they care about and that cares about them, that they will be a better husband or wife. They'll be a better father or mother. They'll be a better uh, employee. They'll be a better person. They'll be a better civic partner in the, in their community. They will, they will be more engaged and they will live longer and happier lives when they they're connected to something that matters. So, that's the work we're doing. Um, that's pretty much, you know, the story up till now. And, you know, we can talk more about what different kind of events we do. And um, I guess I can kind of kick it back to you and, and you can um, ask me kind of some follow on questions and um, yeah, see where the conversation goes. So all of you know that uh, I deal with some chronic pain, some chronic inflammation in my knees and it's been an issue with my adventure sports career. Uh, but we just had Caleb Simpson on the show to talk about his company, Hemp Daddies. And I'm actually going to give their products a shot and see how they do. I'm going to be using their CBD oil and transdermal cream. I've been trying it out about a week now, and I've actually noticed I sleep better. Um, my stress and anxiety have even lowered a little bit, as well as my knees do feel a lot better. Their products are third-party lab-tested. They're made from USDA organic hemp, and they're grown on a family farm right here in Colorado. If you'd like to give it a shot yourself, go to their website, hempdaddies.com, and use the code ADVENTURE to get 10% off your first order and free shipping. And I will keep you in the loop about how it does for me. 
Well, that was uh, that was a good background. That was uh, you. Sh- seems like the biggest theme that you're sharing with me is uh, the importance of camaraderie. I- I've never been in the army or the military, but I have been parts of teams and uh, experiences with with a group where you go through something difficult together, and it and it builds a a, a connection like nothing else. And even if that experience was short term. It's a highlight of your life, um, and for something as prolonged as your service in the army, I can't imagine the the void that is left back in normal life, and just to be able to connect. And that and that's another thing I really appreciate you brought up. Uh, it, it's great coming out to these exotic places, um, not exotic, but these places that are far from home to to have an experience. But those might like be the thing that sets off the the passion for like especially what you're doing you said it was that trip to yellowstone but you can't do that every weekend you can't even do that every year so you need something that's close to home that you can be a part of on a very consistent basis and uh yeah that's what i love about what you're doing yeah yeah, go ahead and tell us what y'all do and uh how many people get involved and kind of some of your hopes for the future and also how difficult it is for you or how much you enjoy it. Do you, do you find it comes natural to you? Stuff like that. Yeah. So, so, um, so yeah, so for 2018, um, we ran, uh, 17 events this year. Um, they cross the spectrum of anywhere from we've done, uh, ice fishing events. Um, we have run a trout flotilla where we get a bunch of boats together and put vets on boats and take them out trout fishing for the day. We've done a a largemouth bass flotilla as well. Um, We've done a couple striped bass fishing events. Um, We have run um, three whitetail deer camps, uh, one to upstate New York, one to New Hampshire, and one here in Western Mass. Um, We have done a pheasant hunt. We have done a black bear hunt up in Maine. We have done a sea duck hunt out in Cape Cod. Um, We have done a family day event, which is basically, um, uh, an event that we run at a local YMCA camp and invite vets, current service members and their families to come out for a fun day at camp where we do everything from rock climbing to archery, to BB gun shoots, to arts and crafts and pools open. And it's just a fun day at camp for everyone. Um, this year was our first year that we ran, um, a family retreat. So we took, um, 80 people out to a beautiful YMCA camp on a private lake in, in, um, out in Northeast Connecticut, um, and, um, lodged them, fed them, and then had a whole full weekend of activities, boating, canoeing, sailboating, uh, kayaking, um, BB gun range, archery range, and then just a whole host of, you know, bonfires at night, s'mores, movies. Uh, we did a whole bunch of events. Um, so, um, that's, uh, kind of a look at what we do. Um, we're in the process of trying to, um, to expand our, our offerings. Um, you know, uh, I love it. Um, it's a lot of work. Um, so a little bit more on my story. Uh, I'm a hundred percent disabled and, and unemployable according to the VA. So, um, both my work and all of my board, uh, we're all volunteers. None of us get paid a dime to do this. Um, I work on this program probably between 60 and 80 hours a week of, of work goes into this. So it's a, a beyond a full-time job, um, but it is a, a labor of love. Um, I really enjoy what we do. Uh, I can tell you it's it gets pretty tiring. Um, from September September to February is our, our busiest time of the year just with, you know, um, all of our hunting activities. And then um, every February um, we do a big wild game dinner and charity auction fundraiser as our main fundraiser for the year. That's how we raise the bulk of our funds to, to fund us for our year. Um, so it's a, it's a lot of work. Um, in 2019, um, we're going to be looking to um, develop our programming so that we can add some more, um, um, some more adventure style programming. We'd love to do things like whitewater rafting and like a canoeing weekend. And um, we'd love to add some more uh, programming. That's not, um, uh, so focused on just the hunting and fishing, those things are great. Um, but we want to do some more programming so that we can, we can get a little bit more cross spectrum 
of, of people who, who have interest in the outdoors that don't necessarily lie in, you know, the, the hunting and fishing aspects. Um, but you know, it's, um, it, it's, it's been, it's been a challenge to build this. Um, I tell you, um, one of the, one of the things that, um, has been tough is, um, if you remember back when I told you, when I looked up these programs initially, most of them were down South or out West. Um, there's sort of a political reason around that. Um, if you think about it down South, out West tend to be the more conservative parts of the country tend to be the more Republican parts of the country tend to be the parts of the country that tend to be more pro second amendment, you know, very strong veteran supporters. Not that the, the, the democratic parts of the country don't support veterans, but they support them in a different way. Um, but the programs that are down South and out West, I mean, they can go to every business in in every County and, you know, five counties wide and knock on a door and say, Hey, listen, we're trying to start a program where we're going to take veterans hunting and fishing. Would you help support us? And most business owners down South and out West grew up hunting and fishing and they're patriots and they, you know, they support veterans causes and, you know, they'll line up to write checks to these organizations. Um, it's not so easy here in the Northeast. Um, the challenge has been, um, the fact that we, we do hunting and fishing programs and we're here in, you know, one of the most, um, you know, left leaning parts of the country. And so, um, getting the support from, uh, businesses and, and local communities and, and from the state and, and the regional, you know, programs that are here has been very challenging. Um, challenging. And when I say challenging, I mean, no support at all. Um, and so, um, one of the approaches that we've taken is, um, I knew kind of from the beginning that if we were going to be able to do this long term and get financially independent to where we could do what we want to do and run the programs the way we want to run them, uh, that we would have to find a way to make a splash in the outdoor sporting industry world, because, you know, let's face it, it's the Cabela's of the world. It's the Remington's, it's the Winchester's, it's the Kelty's, it's the, um, uh, Patagonia's it's, it's those companies, it's the GoPros, the Garmin's it's those companies in the outdoor sporting world that have the deep pockets. And they're always looking to sponsor people. They're always looking to support, you know, a cause that they want to get behind. And, you know, it's a, it's a tax write off for them. Um, but they tend to focus on where, you know, their big sales are and their big sales are not in the Northeast. Their big sales tend to come from, the other parts of the country. And so, um, you know, we've, been, we've made efforts to, and, you know, part of the reason I reached out to you is to try to get our message out there and try and find people that will hear our story and listen to what we're doing and, and, um, help spread the word about what our program is and what we're doing. Um, one thing that we're hoping is, is going to uh, come out soon and, and go well for us is, um, last, last November, uh, last November, a year ago, uh, we had uh, a writer and two photographers from Outdoor Life uh, come to our um, our Western Mass Deer Camp that we ran last November, and they wrote a story. and And um, they're supposed to be running an article in Outdoor Life um, uh, either December um, or uh, in the spring issue of Outdoor Life, um, which will hopefully be huge for us. Hopefully, you know, get some people on a more national scale uh, hearing about what we're doing and hopefully paying attention to it. Um, because we think if we can if we can get to the the owners and the decision makers at some of these big companies and let them know what we're doing, we think we can find um, some some more substantial support for our program um, to the point that we can really do this uh, on a much larger scale. You know, and we would love to. I believe that our program is scalable. Um, I believe that we can do this. Ideally, we think the next steps from here would be to have like a, a chapter in each one of the six New England states um, that would have some oversight from our main our main office and our main board um, and to be able to develop more of these programs, but do them on a more local level to Maine and New Hampshire and Vermont, Rhode Island and Connecticut, Mass, and be able to do that well on a regional level. But then, you know, uh, there's no reason why our program and really the heart and the emphasis of our program, not only being connecting veterans with the wilderness, but really building that community can't be done in Wyoming or in California or in Texas or in Illinois or in Oregon, you know, or Idaho or wherever. 
I believe, um, and I've seen it time and time again, and I can tell you stories that would break your heart about people that have come to our events and it's literally saved their lives. I've had at least two veterans tell me that they were in pretty dark places and they were actually getting ready to commit suicide. Um, but because they heard about of our, they heard about our program, they applied for an event and got selected to go on an event and they came on an event and then they met a bunch of veterans who love the same outdoor activities as them and they became friends with them. They have now abandoned that idea of killing themselves and they're now a part of our community. Um, so when you look at what we're doing on the face of things, it may just look like, oh, here's a bunch of guys that just want to go into the woods and kill deer and catch trout and that's all that they're doing. It's so much deeper than that. And and it's really important work that we're doing and we really want to try and um get our message out on a on a on a more national level so people can hear about what we're doing and, and understand that these programs are important. But beyond the program itself, um what we need to be doing is building and developing and offering this community and, and um doing it on purpose. So So buying ski gear can be a pretty daunting process, especially when it's online. But Powder 7 made that process incredibly easy. They live by their mantra, which is skiing for all, all for skiing, by being completely dedicated just to skiing and encouraging anyone and everyone to participate all year long. It really doesn't matter if you're looking for your first pair of skis or looking to round out your quiver. Uh, They have literally thousands of skis in stock. Uh, new and used so you can get a really good deal a team of ski experts to help you find the perfect ski for you and they stock every brand you can imagine and not only skis but they have everything else you need whether it's a helmet or goggles apparel boots bindings poles literally everything the only thing they really don't get you is a lift ticket it's crazy so you can visit them online at powder7.com or stop by their store there in golden colorado but make sure you give them a shot before trying anywhere else for your ski equipment I think that's pretty incredible that it has changed people's lives so drastically that they have shared that with you. I mean, that's that's got to be rewarding. And you mentioned some of the things that you want to look for, that you guys are moving towards, which is just growing, having more events, having more people involved. Have you found that this is uh, this pursuit of New England Adventures has filled that void for you? Yeah. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, we've got a blog on our, on our website. So if anybody's interested, who's listening to this, wants to check out our website, it's uh, Uh We've got a blog on there. And my most recent blog post was um, it's titled, I Needed the Community and the Community Needed Me. And uh, it's just a blog post about how in developing this program, uh, I realized personally how life-giving and how important this community is to my my myself personally and and how how much i realize now that this thing is life-giving to me too um and as i've seen um people start to rally around what we're doing it's it's really opened my eyes to the fact that there's something special that we're doing here that it's not just because listen right i mean you know this mason you've seen it i'm sure you come across all kinds of nonprofits and you deal with all kinds of people and you know when people are in something for themselves and they've got an agenda that's not necessarily about advancing the cause, but it's often about self aggrandizement. It's often about self promotion. When you do something for the right reasons and you consistently stay after that cause, um, good things happen and it will start to grow. My board is fully consisted of veterans that have been on our program that have been impacted by it and that have come back to say, how do I help you and get involved and serve? With one exception, uh, our vice president is not a veteran, uh, but he is a Gold Star family member. Uh, and I'm not sure if you're familiar with what that terminology means, but a Gold Star family member is someone who has lost a family member to combat overseas. Um, his name is Pete Sadowski. Um, he lost his nephew uh, in Iraq in 2004. And so when you see people of the quality and character that I see coming back and getting involved in this thing and wanting to attach themselves to it. Uh, it's pretty profound. And, and you get the sense that this isn't 
that that we're we're kind of on to something here. At the end of the day, it's not about us making a name for ourselves. Um, it's about building this community. And to the point where one of the things that we do and we do pretty well is is we network with other veterans organizations because um, I'm wise enough to know that we don't have all the answers, right? We we aren't where things start and stop because I'm going to come across vets that aren't into the outdoors. Um, I might come across somebody that wants that's really into art. Well, guess what? We're networked with another nonprofit organization that does art therapy for veterans. And if I come across a guy that couldn't care less about hunting deer, but really wants to paint or draw, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to say, hey, man, I know this guy, Steve Jones. He runs a program called the Warriors Art Room. Go look him up, get connected to his organization. Or if I come across somebody like, you know, couldn't care less about catching bass, but he wants to fly airplanes, I'm connected with this other guy. His name's Jesus Pereira. He runs an organization called Vet Air, where they fly veterans to um, to their VA appointments if it's too long of a drive. And I'm going to give him Jesus's phone number and I'm going to say, hey, man, go check out Jesus and his program that he's running. Because at the end of the day, it's not about someone standing under the New England Adventures flag. At the end of the day, it's about me as a veteran taking the responsibility of helping other veterans getting connected to a community that they care about. Because if that can happen, then the chances of them living a better life the chances of them not killing themselves, the chances of them contributing and giving back and being involved in helping solve some of the problems that are facing the veteran community are much greater. And so when you're doing something that matters and you're doing it for the right reasons, I think that's a special thing. And I think you, you can really see um, things go in the right direction. So, you know, in spite of the fact that we, we don't really have any significant sponsorships from any national outdoor sporting companies and you know um this article still hasn't come out yet and we still haven't you know made too big of a splash i mean you know we've got a couple you know we've got 2200 followers on facebook and you know some other connections on some other social media platforms and stuff like that we're not super well connected but um we're doing pretty well with what we have and what we've been given and we're continuing to grow the program and continue continuing to develop it and and I believe a healthy and and purposeful way and um, I think if you're doing something for the right reasons and you're trying to build something that matters and not just to build a name for yourself, then um, the chances of of success are much higher than the people that are just looking to you know. Uh, to do something because they want to shake the mayor's hand or they want to, you know, an invite to the to the senator's office and get an attaboy from the senator. Because at the end of the day, I couldn't care less about any of that stuff as I want this community to grow and I want to see veterans connected to something that matters. Wonderful. That's awesome. And so if veterans do want to connect after hearing this show, how can they get in touch with you? How can they get in touch with the uh, program? Yeah, so uh, a couple different ways. Um, uh, as I mentioned earlier, our, our web address is www.newenglandadventures.org. Um, you can go on there and, um, there's all kinds of information about our programs. Uh, there's an event tab. So if you, if you live local to New England and you want to go on an event, you can click on the event tab. Um, so if you see something coming up in September, like our black bear hunt, and you're interested in attending that, you can click on the event. It'll bring up the event, all the information on it. There'll be a hyperlink on the event for the adventure application. You click on the adventure application, it'll download right to your computer screen. You can fill it out right there, and then you can email it back to us at info at newenglandadventures.org. Um, there's also a bunch of information on there about you know people that have sponsored our program. Um, there's galleries on there from a bunch of different events that we've run. There's information about our leadership team. Uh, there's information, more information about New England Adventures. You can follow us on Facebook. Um, just go on to Facebook and search for New England Adventures. Um, Instagram, you can follow us on Instagram at, um, uh, at sign uh, new underscore England underscore adventures zero one. You can find me on LinkedIn, Todd Crevier on LinkedIn. Yeah, so uh, we're out there just trying to um, connect with as many people as we can and, and, and do, uh, do a good job at this. Uh, we got a big fundraiser coming up in February. It's going to be our fourth annual uh, wild game dinner and charity auction fundraiser. Uh, we'll be running that uh, in mid-February, and um, we're going to have uh, uh, probably about 400 guests out to that dinner. We're going to raise probably somewhere in the neighborhood of thirty to $40,000 at that one event. 
Um, we're going to have um, all kinds of hunting trips um, up for auction. We're going to have firearms, archery equipment, hunting gear, fishing gear. Um, we're going to have Chinese raffles. We're going to have silent auctions, live auctions. Uh, it's going to be quite an event, um, and that's going to be uh, our big event for the year. And, and uh, we're going to hopefully raise a lot of money so we can fund all of our programming for the year. And um, But we're always looking for new sponsors. We're always looking for people that are interested, that are in the industry, that um, would like to come alongside of us and uh, help us with donations, help us with sponsorships, um, you know, gear donations, anything along those lines. We're always looking for for whatever help we can get. So um, those are the spots that they can go to to follow us and see what we're doing and stay posted on on all the goings on here at Moonlight Adventures. Awesome, dude. Well, Todd, thanks so much for joining us, man. Uh, I appreciate you getting into the background of what you guys do and uh, being open and sharing and. We really wish you the best. We we love what you're doing, and it's incredibly important work. So uh, we're looking forward to sharing it and uh, see if we can get some people rounded up for you. Absolutely. That'd be awesome, Mason. I appreciate it. Yes, sir. All right, man. We'll have a good one, okay? All right, you too. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, talk to you soon. All right, man. Have a good day, okay? You too. All right, see you, Todd. Yep. Right, bye. Hey, thank you so much for listening. If you know somebody that would make a good guest on the show, or if you have a pretty cool story about the outdoors or adventure sports that you want to tell us, please call us and leave a voicemail at 812-MAIL-POD. That is 812-624-5763. You can also send us an email at info at adventuresportspodcast.com. Again, it is always helpful to leave us a review on iTunes. And if you'd like to be a supporter of the show, you can give five bucks a month at patreon.com slash adventure sports podcast and links for all that stuff is also in the show notes. So thanks again for listening and y'all get out there and do something so you can be on the show one day. All right, later. Also, don't forget if you want to save 20% off the best backpacking food on planet earth, go to peakrefuel.com and at checkout, use the code ASP 20. So now in their 12th season, Powder 7 is setting the bar for ski retailers everywhere with their personalized service, wide selection of skis, and gear. Visit them online at powder7.com or stop by their store in Golden, Colorado. Also, don't forget if you're dealing with inflammation, pain, stress, anxiety, lack of sleep, do some research and check out hempdaddies.com for CBD oil and transdermal cream. And use the code ADVENTURE at checkout to save 10%.